Alrighty. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Wayfarers Christian Church Deep Dive Podcast. My name is Nick Griffin. I'm the lead pastor at Wayfarers, and I'm joined, as always, by... We're in a different. We're sitting in a different order on the table, so I got to go in a different order here. Off to my left, we've got our teaching pastor Noah Randolph. Hey, everybody! We've got Jacob Dooley across the table from us, our connections pastor. Hey, everybody! And off to the right, uh, the only person without a pastor title, <laughs> but you know, really the whole reason everybody listens to this podcast. <laughs> Everybody's fan favorite, Hello. Ashley Wakefield. Hello. <laughs> so. We uh, just got done going through the core values of the church. Mm. Um, we have done a, a, an episode on each one. Um, I'll, I'll let you in behind the curtain a little bit and say that uh, part of the reason we were doing that is we were trying to organize our own thoughts because we're hoping to start a membership class soon, like a more official membership class for uh, those uh individuals who've been coming to Wayfarers. So we were like, before we start talking about it and trying to explain it to the church, we need to explain it to ourselves. We should just <laughs> put them in the class and then just hit play on our podcast. <laughs> you just got to listen to this podcast. Listen to five hours of content. All right, there you go. You, you <laughs> that's, are that's six hours of content. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, because they're like 45-minute episodes, so you, you we lose. We did do a few of them a little shorter. So. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we hit we hit on, on the different uh, core values, care, humility, ritual, invitation, sanctity, and trust. You take the first letter of each of those and it comes out to spell Christ, Mm -hmm. which is intentional because we believe that Jesus exemplifies all of these for us. And uh, the church name, Wayfarers, comes from followers of the way. The person that we are following along that way is Jesus Christ. We're trying to be more and more like him. And we think that he exemplified each of those different core values i missed my opportunity to be hipster and do like christos instead of christ because oh. like it, everything has to be a greek a word. greek word yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, i'm sad now <laughs> so you, you you missed out noah you you, you went with english mm-hmm. so How uh, could I? How those, were, those were the six core values and those are the six things that are the most important to us as a church but we we felt like we would be um not honest to the realities of what is true at Wayfarers if we didn't include this uh, this little seventh bonus episode here at the end. Um, we're jokingly calling it the seventh core value <laughs> of Wayfarers. Uh, but uh, if you've been around us at all, you know that it is pretty core to a lot of the ways we look at the world. And that is... Uh, the Enneagram. Um, Don't shake your heads. I know that some of you out there are shaking your heads. Don't do it. Don't. I'm going to go ahead and spell it out for you because the first time I heard it, I thought they were saying Enneagram, like the name Annie, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. The Enneagram. Um, There's a different podcast Adrian listens to where the host is named Annie. And oh, no. every and every summer she does the Ennea summer she calls it about the Enneagram. Mm. But everyone just thought she had like created a personality <laughs> thing around her name and they were just like, That's so like narcissistic. And <laughs> yeah. she'd be like, No, it's the Enneagram, not the Enneagram. So that name comes from just etymologically, it just basically means a nine sided shape. Mm. Any is Latin root for nine, gram is shape. So the reason I'm saying that is because if you've not heard of this and this is the first time you're listening to it, I'm thinking you may have pulled your phone aside and you Googled the Enneagram <laughs> and you may have seen a very scary looking, <laughs> demonic looking pentagram shape. Demonic- <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the reason a pentagram is called a pentagram is because it's a five-sided shape penta meaning five so uh this is not related to that we'll get into that a little bit later in the show because i know there's some fears some people have related to that but the name simply means nine-sided shape and the reason we get that name the reason you draw it in this weird scary looking shape (laughs) is basically just because there are within the enneagram nine personality types ultimately this is kind of a the way we use it especially here is it's a personality model helps to categorize the different personalities different ways that god has made us and in the enneagram there's nine personality types they all have 
crazy connections and relationships with each other, um, which is why you draw it in this weird star-like shape. But these nine personality types, uh, for the most part, are great categories to kind of explain what uh, each of us are like. You know, what are the unique aspects of each of us uh, as people? Like I said, specifically in the ways that God made us. The reason we joke that this is like the seventh core value is because if you've ever spent any time at Wayfarers, it you just we're always talking about it. Yeah. Like it's like the filter that we look through so much of the world through. Um, Ashley mentioned that before yeah. when she's been hanging out with us. She's like, "You guys, do you guys ever like not talk about the Enneagram? I feel like it comes up all the time." They dragged me into it. <laughs> You're you've initiated into the cults now. Yeah, like um, they just assimilated me in. Like I didn't have any say. Like. <laughs> Um, and we've even had visitors and other people who are members now at Wayfarers who have pointed out, they're like, every Sunday I come, I feel like I hear somebody mention something about the Enneagram. <laughs> and I remember we even had one, uh, member at the church, Google it and be like, Oh no, I don't like this. <laughs> oh. Um, so, uh, it's something that we talk about a lot, um, at Wayfarers. Now I won't speak for all of you guys, but I'll say for me personally, the reason this has been so important to me is because this isn't the first personality model I've come across. Um, when I was in college, we actually had a whole course on personality types, and it was also focused on spiritual gifts. It was a really cool course, and I was introduced to what's called the four temperaments. You may have heard that before. People talk about choleric, sanguine, melancholy, and phlegmatic as four personality types. Later on, I was introduced to Myers-Briggs, which is, you know, I don't even know what my Myers-Briggs types is, like ENTJ or TP. So those yeah. are four-letter types. Yeah, mine's is INFJ. INFJ. Yeah. So um, that one is also a very popular one, has a lot of value, a lot of things that are cool about it. When I went to grad school, I was introduced to something called DISC, which many of you may have heard of before. It's D-I-S-C, each of those letters kind of being a different personality types and the list could go on and on. You may have your own favorite personality type that you have heard of at some point that really helps you organize the world. And I've been introduced to a lot of them, but I have to say the reason I'm such a big fan of the Enneagram is it has been the most helpful <laughs> to me of any of the ones that I've learned. It really feels like uh, I was telling Noah a few weeks ago, I, I really don't know that I can imagine trying to do pastoral work and church work without being able to have this way of categorizing and understanding people and understanding how our personalities work. Um, and so I'm very thankful for that, but I'm also very thankful for it for me personally in that I feel like the Enneagram was one of the most helpful tools in helping to show me aspects of my own life that I needed to improve upon. And I really do believe that God has used the Enneagram <laughs> to grow me into a more mature follower of Christ. So personally, I'm a big fan. I, and that's probably why we talk about it a lot. What have y'all's experiences been with it? Uh, for me, I found a lot of the similar things to you, although I think something that is important to highlight before we get into it is that the Enneagram seems to be the only personality quiz that like tells you what things you're doing poorly mm -hmm. and says you should work on these things you know like the other types just sort of focus on these like vague descriptions of things and don't even like they may say oh you have a tendency to do x or something like that and leave it at that but like uh the enneagram actually lists out like nine levels of health in mm -hmm. the um for each for type. each type and uh walks through each description of a level and makes you kind of map yourself onto which level and i guarantee you most no one I've met has ever been at level one, which is the best you could possibly possibly be at your type. Mm -hmm. I've rarely met anyone that's been that, you know, and you're generally around level four through six. And then some bad days, you might be lower than that. And some good days, you might be a little higher than that. But um, it's kind of the most honest, I guess, in mm -hmm. terms of just depicting who you actually are and what your health kind of is mentally even right. so I, I think that's where it was the most helpful for me to have just sort of an honest depiction of 
this is where you're at right now, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, very helpful for working on those things that um, it talks about. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I agree. That that was one of the things I liked the most about it. It's not just, like, a vague description of your personality, but it actually lists out, here's some strengths of your personality, some good things. Also, here's some weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Here are some areas yeah. that you need to work on. And I remember... I was most convinced of the Enneagram whenever I learned my personality type in it and it described there's usually like a core sin for each of the nine Enneagram types, like a sin that you're going to be the most tempted to. And I remember reading it being like, yep, that one is definitely me. So uh, I like that. I agree with you, Noah, because it it gives you opportunities for growth, not Mm -hmm. just an excuse to keep being the same way that you've always been. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely been my experience as well. I also took a class in college where the whole time we spent Mm -hmm. going over different personality tests. And to me, it always just kind of seemed like, all right, now I know, but where can I go from here? Mm -hmm. Um, And the Enneagram, I think, gives good, like, how do you grow from where you are right now? steps uh which i didn't feel like any of the others gave me right yeah gives you like a roadmap for where to go after you discover your type yeah and i remember the first time i took the enneagram test uh no one warned me that the first thing it's going to tell me is the negative (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and so i started reading it and i was like if this is who i am i hate myself now (laughs) 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 but it's and it it just forced me to see a negative side of myself that most people ignore about themselves, right? Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't see your own weaknesses as easily. Um, but that's one of the biggest helps from the Enneagram for me is seeing where I fall short and knowing how to grow in those areas mm-hmm. and get better. Hmm. I guess for me, I am still kind of new to the Enneagrams because I had never even heard of it until I started coming to Mm -hmm. MSCC. So I was like, what is this? And I just randomly took the test one night and found out what my type was. So I'm still kind of new to it, but I think it's helpful to go into the details of what your strengths and weaknesses are. um, So you know what to work on to be aware of. I'm also being aware of other people um, to figure out why they do, why why they think the way they think. Is that something that... Um, I do care about because I hate when people like, you know, misunderstand you because they make assumptions about you without Mm -hmm. asking questions. So it's sort of like, okay, this is how you are and this is why you do what you do. And so it's like getting a better understanding so you don't just sort of define people in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Adrian and I both have mentioned several times that we think it was one of the most helpful things in our marriage was understanding the Enneagram and understanding our own personality types. Cause yeah, helps you understand yourself, but it definitely also helps you understand other people so that we're not making bad assumptions about yeah. what are the reasons that they are making the decisions mm. they're making. So as you may have heard already, you could go st- stupid deep on you the really Enneagram. <laughs> like really yeah. there's a million books out there. If you've ever met any like millennial Christian hipster out there these days, they're really into the Enneagram Hi. right now. Um, <laughs> it's it's Hi, very Noah. it's very it's very trendy right now, especially amongst millennial Christians. I would say in particular, um, and I know a ton of people who uh, there's a million books that have been written. There's like entire seminars, entire like ways of coaching people based mm-hmm. on the Enneagram. You could go really, really deep. And if you want to do that, I actually would encourage you. Check it out. I think it's been really helpful to do the deep dives on some of that. Mm-hmm. But even though this is called the Deep Dive Podcast, <laughs> we mostly just want to introduce it a little bit. Yeah. So, Noah, you felt like you thought you could give a crack oh, yeah. at describing the nine Ooh. Enneagram types. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, why don't you just jump in for it? All right. So each type has a name for it and recognize that this name is just kind of a descriptive name. It's not all encompassing and there's a lot more to these types than what I'm going to say about them. And so if what I say doesn't sound like you don't judge it too quickly, go and read a lot more on it before you try and type yourself based off of what I'm about to say. But, um, Basically, these nine types are all driven by a core motivation that each type has. And they're typically uh, kind of assigned based off of a core desire and a core fear. But the desire is kind of mainly what uh, we're focusing on. And each um, type's desire um, sort of affects who they are as people. What they most desire in the world is kind of how they end up 
acting and behaving. And mm. uh, as a storyteller, uh, this is just a nerdy side point for me, but you write a good character in a story by giving them a really good desire that they want in the world and then putting a bunch of obstacles in their way to, uh, that goal. Yeah. Yeah, And so that's very much what the Enneagram is about is that each of these nine types have a core desire that sort of makes them who they are. And they come up against obstacles in the world that, uh, impede that desire. And yeah. Um, so the nine types, um, starting with uh, type one, is um, the perfectionist, or sometimes called the reformer. And type ones, our basic desire is for everything to be right and orderly and good in the universe. And that's their desire, is they want things to feel right and feel good and feel true. Uh, Ashley is a type one, right? Um, yes. <laughs> and then uh, uh, Nick, your mother, I think, is a type one mm-hmm. as well. Um, and we have like several type ones here at yeah. the uh, um, school. And a lot of what I've noticed from type ones is that they're very driven by this internal clock um, to make things orderly, to make things true and right. And they're very conscientious about truth uh, and want things to be good. And they have a very, uh, I would say, uh, critical eye to themselves in particular to meet their own expectations of that inner truth radar, I guess I would say. So uh, that's type one. Uh, Type two, uh, which is actually Jacob Dooley, um, type two is called the helper. Um, I don't know why I said that weird. The The way you pronounced that, I just looked over at Jacob. I was like, what was that? That was uh, was me stuttering. Sometimes I stutter, but... (laughs) The helper. The helper is driven by a basic desire to be loved and uh, they order their lives basically loving other people because they inwardly feel that they didn't receive that love and they want to give other people that love um, that they never uh, received. And a lot of their inner motivations for doing that is their hope that other people will also catch on to the idea that we should love each other uh, first and foremost in every way possible. And uh, they'll, sort of reap the benefits from other people being um, so driven by this sort of love-based desire, essentially. And so they typically are the ones that are keep their heads down a little bit more, and they like to do things uh, behind the scenes a lot more. They like to be uh, sort of these people that is always doing things for other people. They're very action-oriented. Um, they love to uh, be these types of people that uh, are always available for other people. They're usually the people that you want to keep on speed dial on your phone because if you call them and ask them for help, they're usually the ones that are going to respond. And while they have a hard time with that because that's just they're hoping that another person will be that for them as well, they're also at their best just beautiful altruistic people that that just uh, show what a person can really be like that's so driven to help other people uh, and typically end up being like nurses and doctors and their professions end up being a lot of roles that end up uh, primarily in that kind of role that they feel like they can love other people in. So uh, twos are uh, twos are someone that you always want to have in your group, I would say. Uh, and really all the types are, but uh, twos in particular, uh, everybody needs a helper in their life, I guess I'll say. Threes uh, are described as the achiever or sometimes called like the aristocrat or um, the... I've never heard that uh, one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, this is our uh, pastor, um, senior pastor. No, not senior pastor, a uh, lead pastor. I always get that wrong. Uh, lead pastors. Uh, I already type. feel too old around here. So <laughs> senior is too old. <laughs> but um, the... Type three, the achiever, is driven by success, and their basic desire is to achieve success in the world. They want to be good at things. They want to appear good at things, and they uh, build their entire life based off of that desire 
to be successful. And so these people are typically the ones that you want to uh, put yourself under because they're going to take a ship in a good direction generally. Uh, they are your entrepreneurs, your politicians even when they do things right, and uh, your uh, really charismatic leaders a lot of the time. Um, Nick, you've said before that you think a lot of pastors actually are Enneagram 3 types because they tend to be these people that um, don't have a lot of fear in their lives mm -hmm. and tend to uh, kind of charge in front of everyone else and do things and are visionary types. They're very future-oriented people, and they kind of cast visions of the future that they think they, they can accomplish. And really all of this is driven by this idea of setting goals in their mind that they then try to fulfill and try to achieve, try to succeed at. Uh, and they're sort of driven by this own internal clock of how good am I doing at this thing? And a lot of times they're uh, sometimes fall short of that. And that's uh, part of their journey is looking at um, being successful, even in the midst of sometimes their own failures. Uh, and they're constantly weighing how they are in relation to other people. Um, they view relationships a lot of times as that type of thing of trying to be successful in relationship with someone else and not be successful in relationship with someone else. Uh, and they tend to be driven by a lot of that. Um, so those are those uh, really go-getters. Um, they're also what I would say that America tends to encourage us to be more than any other type the land of opportunity is what i always grew up hearing and that's definitely kind of a three mantra of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps get out there in the world do good always be doing things and achieving things and being successful and you can start out as a really poor person and make a name for yourself as a, a financial businessman all those models are basic mm -hmm. three models of how to work in the world Fours is yours truly, and I would say uh, I'm probably going to be the worst on my own description just because that's what fours are. Fours tend to be a very melodramatic um, on the Enneagram type. We're called the individualist, sometimes called the tortured artist, and uh, we tend to have a very internal clock, whereas twos tend to look at other people and want to love other people. Fours tend to look at themselves and try and work out what they themselves are. And our basic desire is to try and figure out who we are in relation to other people. We want to know who most, um, who accepts us and who doesn't accept us for who we are as a person. And we're very unwilling to change parts about ourselves because we feel so, uh, like we want to belong as we are. And so sometimes that can be a, uh, not a good thing. Sometimes we have to change who we are, but a huge drive of our happiness and joy is finding people where we feel like we belong with them. And that is our drive is to figure out what it is that we are and what is this thing that we are as an individual. And we tend to go against the grain a little bit. Uh, you'll notice the four quite easily. We're typically the people that, uh, happen to adopt a lot of the hipster things and do things that are uh, kind of against the grain. If everybody is doing something, we tend to be the people that want to do it a different way just because everybody else is doing it uh, another way. And we tend to find those types of things that no one else is doing and see beauties in the world that are alone and solitary and things that are not being noticed. And we have a, a really good eye for noticing those things that no one else is looking at. Um, uh, the recent movie Encanto, people debate about it, but I hold to this day that uh, Mirabelle, the main character in Encanto, is a four because she sees the cracks in life that are... Uh, just no one else is noticing and she sees these depths of different people and uh, notices those types of things. Um, so yeah, those are fours. Um, Enneagram five is the in, uh, investigator. The investigator is a type that is driven by being um, competent in their job in whatever they're doing and that's their basic desire is to be competent they want to be as good as they can be and knowledgeable as they can be and they're really driven by knowledge they want to know and understand the world they want to pick it apart they really want to get a understanding of how the world works and operates so that they can find their place in it and they're typically the most um 
uh, I guess, role-oriented of all the types. They think that everything in the universe has its set place and structure, and they want to fit into that structure as best as they can. And so they find and order their world through science, usually, through uh, all these different ways, and uh, mentally uh, contract an image of how the world operates and put themselves in that. And they tend to be dreamers a lot of time. They tend to spend a lot of time in their head and they're not as involved in the world. So they tend to overlook a lot of the things that a lot of normal people would <laughs> focus on and are far more driven by knowledge and how things work as I kind of describe the mind of a five as like gears working and they put things in each individual gear that turns on its own and they see all these gears as intertwining with one another and they basically put everything in boxes. They're the quickest to put things in boxes and will instantly latch on to any type of system or worldview that boxes people into these certain types of roles uh, and then they look for their place in it and they look to be the best at that place. Um, that's really all for fives. We've got Enneagram sixes, which are um, the loyalists. And Enneagram sixes are really the most interesting for me on the Enneagram type because they're the type that loves to adapt themselves to other people because their deepest desire is to feel safe and secure. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to be uh, around people that they feel safe and like they belong with while... Be, uh, moving themselves away from people that they don't feel safe and they will often take on attributes of the people around them so that they feel more safe and secure and they're far more likely than any other type to adapt their thinking, their philosophies, and their worldviews to other people because they see that as a way to be loyal to those people and to belong to those people and to be safe with those people. Uh, Enneagram sixes also are the biggest doubters on the Enneagram. They, have, they struggle with doubt more than any other type. And so having someone else that holds views very strongly is far safer than uh, just being alone. And they tend to... Uh, be the first to befriend people and they tend to be the last to leave their friends. They are uh, loyal to a fault almost uh, because they find so much security in their friendships. And so these are the types of people that like you always want in your life because like having a friend that sticks with you through thick and thin uh, is just a, an amazing thing to have. But there is that kind of sort of fear drivenness to them where they tend to be a little bit less um, uh, outspoken themselves and let their friends sort of be those people because they don't want to risk themselves as much. Enneagram sevens are called the enthusiasts, um, sometimes even called the actor. Uh, these types of people are um, people that are always enthusiastic about life. They are energetic. They are vibrant people. They love the world. And I always kind of joke that like an Enneagram four on a good day hacks a lot like a seven because they just see so many beauties in the world and they are trying to get into anything they possibly can. However, they do have a dark side, and that is that their basic desire is to avoid pain at all costs. They don't want to be in any uncomfortable situations. They want to avoid any uncomfortable conversations. They just want the world to be happy and good, and so they spend most of their life avoiding pain at any cost whatsoever. And uh, because of this, they tend to be very flighty people. They tend to come and go very quickly and don't have a lot of um, depth to them as people sometimes because they are trying to avoid those deep conversations. They're trying to avoid those painful moments that happen in our lives. And so they tend to be these people that are far more willing to just say, let's road trip really quickly and like, like let's get out of town and to avoid a lot of those darker moments that they might be living in their life and they're great people to have as friends just because they'll always pull you out of your shell and uh, will pull you onto a road trip or pull you onto a place uh, and if you have a seven in your life you know what I'm talking about <laughs> um, type eights are called the challenger and type eights are probably the most misunderstood type on the Enneagram type eights tend to be people that most people assume are just people that tell it like it is they're really mean and upfrontery and I think a lot of people think that type eights are just kind of the Donald Trumps of the world, honestly, whereas that's not really all type eights. Most type eights tend actually to be very um, uh, beautiful people that have 
deep emotions that they keep really bottled up inside of them. And they are the types of people that actually are really hurt by other people when people make offenses against them. But what they've done is they've built up an outer shell of themselves that's a very confrontational shell that basically builds an idea and theology or ideology up to protect themselves from their inner self that's so uh, was rejected as a kid and they tend to become the most combative because they're actually the most hurt by other people and they become this type of weapon for other people and can become something that's really uh, useful in uh, confrontations because on the surface they're not afraid of conflict they're ready to go um, at any point to debate and they can push people into ways of thinking that they wouldn't otherwise do without conflict because conflict's good sometimes conflict is something that can bring us to a, a space of realizing that we might be wrong about something. And um, a lot of times uh, I've actually found that being around eights is the most helpful thing for me as a four because uh, sometimes I just need to be told that you're being a whiny baby right now. And so there is this sense in which eights bring that uh, challenge to us and ask us to really ask those hard questions. And yet their their desire, their core desire really is to be accepted Um for their beliefs and for their ideas and uh, they build up this challenging atmosphere around them because they're almost expecting everybody to reject who they really are on the inside. Um, that's enough for type eights. The last type on the Enneagram is type nine and they're called the peacemaker, which is really interesting that those two are right next to each other. Cause you would think that they're almost like the opposites of one another, but they're actually driven by a lot of the same, um, thoughts and feelings. Types nines are just as afraid of being rejected as type eights are, except they decide to do uh, handle that um, fear in different ways. Type nines want to feel like they belong in a space and it be harmonious. They're really, uh, they're, core desires about harmony and everybody getting along and everybody accepting one another. Um, so whereas fours like care about uh, everybody accepting just them, nines care about everybody in the room accepting everybody else. And they're far more uh, um, concerned with the group as a whole. And they want um, this basic community to f be fostered where everybody is getting along with one another and everybody accepts one another. And they tend to be people that are really good at making choices to bring about that desire. They're good at finding ways to convince people to sort of lay down their arms, lay down their swords and plowshares to use an Isaiah reference. They're good at being uh, leaders a lot of times, actually, even though nines really feel uncomfortable being leaders. They're great at being leaders because they can see the situation. They can see a a lot of people in different roles in life and they can find the ways that best uh, accomplish peace by talking to each individual person and working out those conflicts and they're beautiful at doing that. They also tend to be called the crown of the Enneagram because they have an attribute of all the other types in them and uh, while they don't have those attributes as strongly, they tend to have all these attributes because they're able to use them and unite the rest of the types and so they tend to be the unifying number on the Enneagram and oftentimes will sometimes become kind of a chameleon type where they'll shift their uh, shift their kind of thinking a little bit for the person just to help them uh, and avoid conflict even and it's their desire to be as harmonious and to kind of shift and meld with other people as much as possible so sorry that was a little long but hopefully that was a, a good description of all the nine types I, I would also like to just really quickly point out um, Noah just did all of that without a single note in front of him <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so it sounded like he was reading there for a little bit but he is not he is just it looked like he was spaced out yeah. just like he was spaced out and just talking yeah <laughs> He's obviously studied this a lot. So <laughs> yeah, that was great, Noah. Um, so uh, obviously it can go really in-depth, and I'm sure, Noah, you probably could have done a whole episode on each of these mm -hmm. <laughs> between different things that we think about. Um, a couple of things you might have noticed as you were hearing through the different types. My suspicion is many of you are listening and thinking all of those sound like different sides of myself or something mm. like that. And I think that's an important thing that I always like to mention for people. Um, a lot of people who are fans of the Enneagram will point out that really every human being does have some aspect of all nine types in them, you know, and you have some connection to them 
all in some form or another. But the reality is, is like Noah said, the really motive, the really thing that's at the center of the nine types is what your nine basic motivations are. And, um, this is why this personality example was really helpful to me because sometimes personality types from the outside can look exactly the same. You know, you can look at two different people and be like, oh, they're obviously the same personality. But even though they might look the same on the outside, they're motivated by very different things. Mm. So, for example, yeah. uh, usually whenever people try to guess what my number is, they think I'm a five. Mm. Um, because five is described as the investigator. And it says the intense cerebral type, perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Mm. And a lot of people think, oh, like, oh, Nick likes to like study things really deeply. And, you know, I guess I'm a cerebral type <laughs> would be a way that some people <laughs> would describe me. Um, but uh, the reality is that that's not my motivation behind studying a lot of things I study or looking into the various different things that I care about. I'm a lot more motivated by the Enneagram three desires to be able to be, uh, connected with other people, to be loved by people and to win people over. I'm always trying to, uh, win people over and motivate them to, uh, succeed in that same way that I'm so motivated by success. So it can look similar on the outside, but the motivations can be different. So and that's what's really helpful. Question. So it, when I was listening, I know that there were some types that came back to back to seem opposite, like eight and nine, for example. Mm -hmm. But I was wondering if six and seven, they both sound like opposites too, like six being a loyalist and seven being kind of flighty and yeah, consistent. So yeah, the, I mean, um, in some regards, yes. But also, I would say uh, sixes tend to be... Um, more about adapting to other people right mm -hmm. and so their loyalty is not as much about whether or not they're flighty or not flighty right their loyalty is driven by a f a fear need of not wanting to be alone and oh. that being unsafe to be alone right um it's everything's on the idea of security and um insecurity um their basic fear is fear as a six um they are more afraid than any other type oh. sevens are also really afraid but they're specifically afraid of pain uh and so the two those two things are very similar they just outwork differently whereas a six to uh solve their fear of fear they adapt themselves and become super loyal to other people mm -hmm. a seven just runs from their fear okay. they just run I hope that doesn't sound offensive to anybody who's a type six, but like are type six like usually like more clingy? Yes, they oh, are okay. the most clingy of the yeah. types. <laughs> yeah, and that's a good insight as well, Ashley, in that some of these numbers that are right next to each other can seem kind of like opposites. We felt that as you being a three and me being a four sometimes, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. And um, what's interesting about the Enneagram as well is that whatever your core type is, You've also got numbers to either side of you. Mm -hmm. They'll call it your wing. And you will take on lots of components of those wing types as well. So I'm a three, which means on either side you've got two and four. So at different points in my life, I've had aspects of my personality that are more like Jacob, more like a two. <laughs> and other points in my life, I've had aspects of my personality that are more like Noah, more like a four. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those times in my life are from one day to the next. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but overall, you can get really, really deep um, with it, like I said. But I think that's what I like. There's um, nuance to it, you know, uh, and it really does give a lot of room for the fact that you know, it's interesting that around the table we've got one, two, three, and four. four. <laughs> the first four of the Enneagram uh, represented. But even if we had two uh, fours, if we had no essay, and let's say Jacob was a four, that doesn't mean that they would look the same or act mm -hmm. the same or be the same. Yeah. You know, Noah could have a three wing, whereas Jacob could have a five wing. Uh, Noah could be a different subtype of four, which is a whole nother thing. We're not, yeah, gonna we're not going to get into the subtypes. Um, but there's nuance and unique, um, kind of like shades of nuance to the different numbers and the Enneagram, that's, which is the other reason I've liked it. Yeah. That's one of the big reasons why I like it. Cause other, other personality tests seem to put you in a box. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Enneagram kind of says, here is your large mansion and you can be in a thousand different rooms mm -hmm. in a given day. 
Yes. It's like you're not just this one box confined person, but there are different things that make you who you are and you can change mm-hmm. yeah. by the day. You're not just this one thing always. Yeah, and to that point too, each number has two numbers. You talked about the wings. I will talk about this just briefly that uh, each number has a number that they become more like when they're healthy and a number that they become more like when they're stressed out. Um, And those numbers are not their wing numbers. So you're kind of acting like your wings along with acting like another number when you're healthy and another number when you're stressed. And so it becomes way more complicated real quickly because it seems as if while you do have one number, you also have like five other numbers that you tend to hang out at too, you know? Yeah, because I was looking at mine since I'm a type one. I know that when I'm stressed, I get to a type four. And then when I'm growing, I get to a type seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So you'll take on aspects of those types based on the... Uh, state state of mind that you're in at the time. Yeah. So, like I've said, it's from the beginning. It could get super deep. You could go into a million different things. But that's a good segue to point out. Um, I talked about it at the beginning. Sometimes when people look up the Enneagram and they see this weird pentagram-looking shape, they think, um, is this some weird occult thing? Is this mm-hmm. some weird uh, thing that we as Christians uh, shouldn't be involved in. And I want to say that, uh, there's a real pragmatic reason that you draw it in that shape, which is what you're talking about. Noah. Mm-hmm. if you follow the lines in the shape, it shows you your integration, healthy number and your disintegration stress number. Um, so you draw lines between them and you have to show that connection somehow. So you just draw lines between the shapes. Mm-hmm. It's easy to draw, put all the numbers in a circle. And when you draw lines between the shapes, you end up getting this weird, Symbol. Symbol. (laughs) But the symbol is what makes it helpful to remember and to know uh, what the different personality types are. We are visual creatures in a lot of ways as well. And having a shape to help us remember what each of these numbers are is definitely a part of it. But I do want to admit, as with so many things in the world, there's some weird people out there who do some Mm -hmm. weird things with the Enneagram. They do. if you read up on the Enneagram, you may find articles even from other certain Christians that are like, don't look into the Enneagram. It's an occult, you know, thing. Um, and they'll talk about all of the ways that it gets misused by certain people who have, uh, other motives. And, uh, I don't necessarily want to deny that there's, uh, there are people out there who do very weird things and get into weird secret knowledge, uh, uh, f- ways of thinking and that's uh, this becomes just another tool in their tool belt but I always tell people that that could be true of a ton of things that's true of a lot of different things um, it has been true of the past that Christians have gotten really really worried and really really scared about certain things I remember when I was a kid I had a ton of people tell me that Pokemon was this occult, uh, yeah. demonic thing. And, um, I knew a lot of kids who weren't allowed to watch Pokemon because their parents had read some articles about it or some. What is the brief like explanation that. of this? Um, they said that, uh, it uses evolution. So they were very anti-evolution and because the, uh, because Pokemon evolve from one type to another, that it's, uh, connected evolution a lot of the characters are loosely based on japanese mythical characters Mm -hmm. and they would argue that that japanese mythology is rooted in uh, demonic things is what they used to say Mm -hmm. and so their fear was that you start opening the door a little bit with this cartoon that seems really innocent and then before you know it you're like I don't know, a Wiccan or something a like Wiccan. that. <laughs> Before you know it, you just yeah. started practicing the witchcraft. Like, who knows? Right. Um, and uh, 
my point being, I really think that that could be true with so many things. Yeah, like, I was just going to say that because I, I didn't even realize this until someone else pointed out to me. But there's like certain brand names that people wear that are related to other stuff like Nike. I think Nike mm-hmm. is one that's related like a god or a goddess yeah, or something. That's a that's a and great <laughs> point. So Nike is based on Greek gods is in Greek mythology. And we have no issue with the Greek mythology, but we have this weird issue with japanese mythology or another example one i like to use all the time is um uh, a lot of our christmas traditions Mm -hmm. are rooted in pagan practices you know you uh, christmas tree the fact the fact that we put trees in our houses is based on uh pagan practices of uh bringing plant life into their homes to sort of connect with the deities that were connected with those plants Anytime I bring that up, people always say, well, even if it had pagan roots, God's act obviously using it now and is using it to, you know, glorify himself. And I say, exactly. So he can do that with the Enneagram too. <laughs> um, if, if you are one of these people that thinks that, um, you know, it has some, it, it, it weirds you out or it has some weird connections to things that you're uncomfortable with, I would just encourage you to realize that interrupted by the beeping alarm that just randomly beeps for no reason don't worry i wonder um, why they went off it's low battery oh <laughs> yeah like a fire thing yeah so i was gonna say if if you are one of those people i would just encourage you to to realize that there's a lot of ways that god uses all kinds of different things to show us truth and to teach us about himself mm-hmm. the biggest example of this is in the book of acts where the apostle paul is presenting to a group of Greek philosophers and Greek thinkers. And he is in the middle of a city that's surrounded by idols and uh, that has all of these statues dedicated to various gods. And he points to one of the, uh, one of the altars that they have, which they, they claim is to an unknown God. And he uses that as his like point of connection to connect with them Mm. and explain the gospel to them. And this is really the thing that I just keep saying over and over and over again in the Bible. All truth is God's truth is the phrase that I've always heard. Sometimes human beings happen to stumble upon truth in other ways, uh, in, in other areas that they're at. But I really believe that God can take those truths and use them, uh, for his purposes. Mm -hmm. And so this is one of those things that I've just felt like the more I've studied it, the more I've looked at it, the more I've tested it and, seen it in my own life and seen the good that I do believe God has been able to bring out of my life using it, the more I believe that there's some real truth to what this personality type represents. And I think uh, one of the things that you brought up earlier that I'll touch on that uh, has been huge is it really talks about um, your sins and really starts to explain why you have a tendency to do these sins more than other sins. And like, you know, like, um, for each of the types, we all have like our, our inward struggle. And a lot of times in Christian circles, that's not really named or talked about like Mm -hmm. what each, what struggles are we like actually going for? And the Enneagram gives us a way to sort of confess our sins without feeling judged for them. Right. It gives us a way to say, Oh, like, you know, to struggle with pride, three struggle with lying, four struggle with uh, envy, like without having that, uh, um, uh, you know, judgment kind of cast down on the church for those sins. And we're able to talk about those sins and be more honest with one another and be able to communicate, hey, this is the thing you're probably going to have to look out for in me more than any of the other things. And this is, yeah, this is the thing I'm working on, you know? And I don't Mm -hmm. think that like before the Enneagram, I don't think we talked about those sins in our lives at all. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we just kind of lived and tried to work on them internally as best we can. And the best thing I've seen as a result of the Enneagram is that we are actually communicating to one another I struggle with this, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. You're saying we as in here at Wayfair. Yeah, yeah, we as in, well, yeah, and just in Christians in general, even outside. Well, I don't as, know. As I would disagree, disagree with that because my, my ending point I was trying to make mm-hmm. is 
I don't think God needs the Enneagram to be able to shape us into oh, no. who no. we need yeah. to be. And it's not like before the Enneagram was a thing, Christians didn't realize that we struggled with pride or with envy. Or oh, I'm with, not saying that. I'm just saying we didn't talk to one another about it as much. I don't know that that's true either. Mm. You know, I have no idea what's been going on in Christian yeah. history. Christians mm-hmm. have talked to each other about the things that we're struggling with. Mm-hmm. I would just say in our context, specifically here, it has given us a way to be able to, yeah. to mm-hmm. talk about some it's of those things. It's definitely given me vocabulary when I'm trying to think for myself about like, what am I struggling with mm-hmm. as a human being? Yeah. Uh, it's definitely helped me form my thoughts to be able to say, okay, this is what I need help with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, better than I could just do like on my own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the reason I say that is just because um, I've met, it's been interesting as I've been meeting, um, maybe older Christians, wise Christians, mature Christians that I really look up to. And I look at the ways that God has shaped and formed their lives and how they have become more and more people that God wants them to be. And lots of times it's always interesting to me. I'm like, God used the Enneagram to help me become a better person yeah they have no idea what that is Mm -hmm. but they he used other things to help make them a better person Mm -hmm. Um, my parents really liked the four temperaments phlegmatic choleric sanguine melancholy Mm -hmm. stuff and felt like that was really useful in helping them to understand each other and to grow Mm. better and so my point simply is that like you said jacob this is just another set of words another model another way to give us some ways to express the things we're thinking the things we're feeling the ways we act Mm. and the motivations going on inside of us it's kind of like have you ever had that experience where it's like you you know something but and but then you hear somebody else describe it and you're like yes Yes. that's i've been looking for those words for forever and they described it perfectly and you like it feels like you've been given this gift and you take that way that they explained it and suddenly it just like puts your you know puts everything all the jumbled up thoughts in your brain in order and it gives you words and language to express the things that you're feeling and i would say that's what i do agree with you know that at least with us that's what the enneagram has helped yeah yeah i guess because i'll say like for example with with me because i am type one like we've already stated and that's like a perfectionist so i think something that I do struggle with and God has had to tell me this when I've like complained to him about other people was that I want other people to be perfect and I get mad at them for not being perfect. Mm -hmm. And then God has literally had to tell me, well, people are not perfect. And I'll be like, I know that, but if they would just stop doing this and just quit doing this, just stop. And it's sort of like this sort of self-righteous thing that I do, I guess, instead of just saying we do that I do. Cause like in, sometimes you can get into the tendency of wanting to cut people off because they're not as perfect as you want them to be. And you kind of have to learn how to not, do that it's like nobody's going to be perfect and you just have to accept the fact that other people have flaws so that's something that i have to remind myself on on a regular basis you know yeah i even have seen situations where god's used like a marvel movie to show me something (laughs) (laughs) that i need to change in my life and uh we all know that that has uh (laughs) that that's that's got to be a cult right (laughs) um the point being God is involved in all of these things, and I think he's going to, he, he has his purposes, and he's going to use lots of different things to get our attention, to teach us what, how he wants mm-hmm. us to be. And personally, I think we at Wayfarers have felt that the Enneagram has been something that God has used it for all of us mm-hmm. to help us understand ourselves, help us understand each other, and help us grow as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, it kind of feels like we're winding down a little bit. We are. Um, I just had one quick question that I think would help the uh, people listening, yeah. Um, since I am a two, um, <laughs> um, there you go, Noah. You got it. <laughs> yeah, I'm slow. <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to ask, uh, Noah, you've obviously done extensive study mm-hmm. of the Enneagram. Probably read more books than I ever care to, and more forums <laughs> um, and all that type of stuff. But for the people who either don't know what the Enneagram is or want to look it up or read more about it, to type themselves Mm -hmm. what books has been helpful Mm. for a that you think would be the most helpful for like a beginner okay Mm. Uh, honestly the first place i'd recommend wasn't wouldn't be a book at all but would be a website called the enneagram institute and the enneagram institute was my first jump into the enneagram myself and it does a great job of breaking down each of the types Uh, for those of you that are more interested in romantic stuff it actually will even like 
compare your type to other types and tell you which like you are best partnered with um, mm -hmm. on the other types. You can uh, also has a section on which type you most commonly mistype as, and we'll talk about why you mistype as that type. So the Enneagram Institute is a great resource. It also has a test there you can take if you just want to test yourself real quick. That test is really um, dense, I would say, but it's like a hundred question yeah. test, but it's definitely something that's really well well done and you can get a lot of get a lot out of that so that would be the first place i'd send people mm -hmm. for a more christian perspective on the enneagram i would actually recommend the sacred enneagram uh, that's a book and that focuses specifically he takes a little bit more of a not catholic but definitely more of i think what us at wayfarers would call ritualistic and uh, spiritual formation type approach to the enneagram mm. and he builds um a beautiful depiction of each of the types and specifically gives each type a spiritual practice that they should follow for their type um i can't get into that today it's way too long but it's <laughs> probably the most helpful thing for me is that um he gives them each a spiritual formation homework that you can go yeah. take into your life and do for each of the types and that's been one of the most helpful resources as a christian relating it to the enneagram that i found also fair warning the sacred enneagram is deep yeah so maybe don't start there no, no, <laughs> do no. a little bit of a of um foundation work mm -hmm. first yeah Nick, those uh for those people who like podcasts that listen to podcasts all yeah. the time you know i've always got podcast recommendations yeah Do you first know i want to say uh one other book recommendation because adrian always recommends this one and she would be mad at me if i don't say it <laughs> um but then but she, would, but she yeah. wouldn't tell you because she's a type nine so uh it's called uh the road back to you and it's a uh more surface level but helpful introduction into the enneagram yeah. if no one else was going to say it i was going to say it before we ended <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that's the, actually the book i haven't read so i can't recommend it if i haven't read it <laughs> so it's called the road back to you um it is uh a really good introduction helps you read and understand a little bit more about the different enneagram types um if you are on the campus of Ben South Christian College, I believe Mikey told me that there's a copy in the library. I so, believe I have seen it. Um, you know, just come hang out at the college and read it in the library if you don't want to buy it or check it out. Two podcasts I would recommend. Uh, one is um, one of the authors of The Road Back to You. Really, both of the authors of The Road Back to You. One is Suzanne Stabile, and the other is, I'm forgetting his name, Ian Ian Cron, C-R-O-N. Um, specifically, I would recommend Ian Cron's podcast. Um, he interviews different people who are different personality types. It's called the Typology mm -hmm. Podcast. Um, that one's really helpful if you just want to hear stories of interesting people who are different personality types and Ian Cron is really really good at um, interviewing people and asking really good leading questions he's also a four I don't know oh. if you ever I did know that he actually oh, interviewed okay. the guys on the Bible project oh. he has an episode on yes Ooh. and Mackie and so uh, which John type Collins are the guys on the Bible project? they're both five oh. Oh. it makes sense uh, so I really recommend typology um, it's the one that I've enjoyed the most uh, one I've listened to about uh, the Enneagram in particular. Um, and then Suzanne Stabile, the other host of it, she also has her own Enneagram podcast. Um, it's called the Enneagram Journey. I don't think it's as regular, and it's a little more kind of all over the place. So, um, But I've heard a few good episodes of that one as well. Well, we, we can relate to that type of posting style yeah <laughs> <laughs> for sure for sure um, one book that i just recently found and i've been reading through is a book called uh mirror for the soul a christian guide to the enneagram mm. um which i thought was just a really helpful introduction level to the oh, to awesome. the enneagram that kind of explains our understanding of where it comes from and why so many christians use it mm. um and then it helps you type yourself from the book um, and actually gives an argument that says sometimes it's more enjoyable if you type yourself through books and knowledge oh, wow. rather than stealing that joy from 
taking a test. Yeah, I like that idea. I've always told people that read all the types, and the one that makes you the most uncomfortable is your type. (laughs) 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 So those are a few resources. There's some good YouTube videos out there, too. Um, all kinds of things you can find. Like I said, it's kind of hip right now. It's like a thing. So you can find tons of resources about it. We really recommend it. I personally recommend it. It's been something that's been really helpful to me. Mm. So this was kind of a one-off, like I said. We're jokingly calling it the seventh core value, Mm -hmm. but it is very important to us as a church. Um, We're going to be taking a break for a little bit, actually, on this podcast. We've got some... uh, ideas we've got some ideas in the pipeline of where this podcast is going to go um but we don't want to we this is this is difficult for me i'm a future oriented three i'm always trying to jump in the next thing but i want to take it slow make sure we're doing the right thing so we're going to take a few weeks um just to really kind of chart out what the next uh version of what we do on this podcast um and at the church will look like and we wanted to little bit of time to focus on just that not have to have content creation on our mind so you probably won't hear from us for the next few weeks expect after that to hear some sort of update podcast where we'll tell you what the plan is next but you got a few weeks off so go read about the enneagram yeah uh catch up on our old episodes that you haven't heard yet yes Yes. we have such a plethora of (laughs) them there is probably at least 200 episodes on our on on this podcast so definitely go back our i would recommend our series on the sermon on the mount our sermon on the mount series is awesome so check that out cool um and in the meantime come hang out with us we're meeting at six o'clock and the campus of mid-south christian college in the dutka memorial chapel uh this Sunday is our family feast night. We're doing a nacho bar. It's going to be a good time. Who doesn't like nachos? Uh, and um, we would love to see you there. Yeah. So while we're taking a break, come hang out with us. We'd love to see you in person. We'll, I'm sure, talk your ear off about the Enneagram. Yeah. <laughs> and I, think they have like some, I think Joey and Reagan are going to have some vegan options. They are. Nachos they are. Bar, so, yeah. Yes. We, we, we like to have options for everybody. Whatever Vegan your dietary and gluten-free should. because mm-hmm. a couple of us are gluten-free too. So. Mm-hmm. All the dietary restrictions. Feel free to come. <laughs> we got you covered.